Before today's episode, I felt it was really important to take a second to talk about everything going on in Israel and Palestine. I took last week off from podcasting because it didn't feel appropriate, but I've decided that in such a time of suffering and terror and darkness and heartbreak, it is really necessary that we have the things that lift us up that make us feel joy. And that's something I always want to be for you guys. So I did decide that going forward, I'll be back and I'm back today, but last week it just didn't feel right. I want to make it known to all of you that I stand firmly against terrorism. I stand firmly against anti-Semitism. I stand firmly against Islamophobia and I stand firmly, firmly against ethnic cleansing and I stand against the murder of any innocent person, no matter where they come from, no matter who they are. As someone with Jewish family members, Jewish loved ones, a Jewish partner who knows and has loved loved ones in Israel, the last two weeks have been heavy and heartbreaking, scary, and I stand firmly with my Jewish loved ones and my Jewish community in this time of suffering. I want to make it known that This does not automatically mean that I stand with the Israeli government or their actions, that I stand with violence onto Palestinian people, violence in Gaza. I don't stand for any of that. It breaks my heart to know that there are Israeli hostages who are still missing away from their families who might not ever see them again. It breaks my heart to see the suffering of the Palestinian people, of the destruction of their home, of their lives, and of their families. There are very few words to describe the heartbreak that I feel and the sadness that I feel and the pain that I feel, but it isn't about me. I've been trying to really center actual activism offline because I've just noticed that social media has become such a binary and there's so much policing, so much information, so much yelling and negativity in the DMs and in the comment sections. If you have been directly impacted by everything that has happened in the last two weeks, or you just feel incredibly, incredibly heartbroken, I'm here for you and I know that's not much, but I've done my best to donate and educate myself and call my representatives and send my representatives emails and have conversations offline and I feel a little helpless and I'm, I'm just wanting you guys to know that I'm here for you and I love you and I support you and at the end of the day, I'm really grateful that we have each other because... Community saves us in times of struggle and fear. I tried to make that as succinct as possible. It's really hard to fit so much content and information into such a short blip, but I just wanted to kick things off talking about that today and to let you know I love you and I'm here for you. I will include some donation links in the body of this episode and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and let's get on with the show. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Miss Congeniality. Oh, goodness. I am so excited to chat with you this lovely day. I took last week off. I have so many things that I wanted to talk about. This is going to be a solo episode. I'm going to answer some asks, advice, anything else. But first, let's do some updates, you guys. It's been definitely a very heavy and stressful two weeks. But as I stated previously, I'm going to try to illuminate some of the joy that I found in my life and share that with all of you. So 
Let's let's start by talking about the fact that I made a fucking TikTok about how Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey hold hands and it has 6 million views. It has 6 million views? Sorry. What? Guys, Swifties have so much fucking power. You guys need to get together, make an army, let's fight. Like, let's fight. We can dismantle the patriarchy with this shit. You guys don't understand the power that you hold in the palm of your hands. Now, I made the video, I knew it was gonna do well, right? Because I understand the algorithm, I knew what was trending, I knew what was fun, flirty, and fresh. But six million, y'all, like, I have a couple videos in the last three, Jesus, three years that have had like plus 4 million, which is where I feel like that's when it starts to get like, okay, a lot of fucking people like watch this. I'm like literally sick over it. And it happens to always be when I look like truly deeply like crust, like I'm like on the couch, like probably just took an edible. Anywho, I am loving the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift content. I'm slurping it right up like it's a glass of warm tea. It is feeding me. It is satiating me. It is making me feel so great. I just, you know what? We talked about if it was PR or not with Veronica and Veronica explained that the reason that it would be PR is not because they need PR is because everybody always needs positive PR. And if they were already dating or hooking up, it makes sense to go public because positive press is always good. Now, I, what I really think it is, is I honestly think she's in an era of her life where she wants to be a public person. So if she's casually dating or fucking someone or whatever she's doing, like she is going to put that in the public eye, whether that be like, whether that be like a fuck up, like a fucking hookup or like a guy that she's madly in love with. Now, do I think that this is a man that she definitely like likes? I think they really like each other, but think about it. She even like went out with Maddie Healy and that was, we were all like, hmm, interessante. Like what a choice. Um, but ultimately I'm loving it. I'm so thrilled by it. And out of all the pop culture news, like that's obviously at the top of my list right now. I've got to say though, it feels great to be able to talk about reality TV. I know I know, I know, I know the SAG strike is going to end and we're going to have so much fun talking about all the films that I've watched um, and not been able to speak of, but we can talk about reality TV because that doesn't fall under the umbrella. But anyway, The Golden Bachelor, listen, if you're not watching it, you need to. I hate The Bachelor. Like The Bachelor franchise is not for me. I don't want to say hate. That's a strong word. I just... Veronica and I have spoken about this as well. It kind of drives me crazy when there are like 21, 22, 23, even 24, 25 year old girls coming onto the show being like, I tried the dating scene and it just wasn't for me. Like, God, like the dating scene ran me dry out there. And that can be true. But like 25 years old is really, really young to be like, wow, like I've tried the dating scene and I'm giving up. Like this is my only hope. And obviously that's not true, right? Like they're going on the show for different reasons, but I feel like it just has like a discouraging energy in general. It never made me feel great. And not to mention the beauty standards on that show I struggle with. The fucking Golden Bachelor, holy shit. I cry, cried so hard the last episode. And the reason was, I just think, you know, okay, what did Sex and the City teach us, right? That you're never really too old. There's no like too old. That's not like a thing. Like you can just do things when you want to do things and you can be having sex and having fun at any age. I actually just saw Candace Bushnell's live show and she reiterated a similar sentiment. She's divorced, but she's still fucking guys. And like, she's 65. A lot of these women on the golden bachelor are older than that. And I don't know. It just like makes me feel so good 
that like, you know, that we've been talking about when we don't have it figured out and being in our mid twenties and that what the fuck moment and that SOS moment and all the things, you know, it just makes me feel so good about life that these women are finding love and having fun and flirting and feeling and all the things. And it's like, I didn't know I needed this. I really didn't. So I'm loving The Golden Bachelor. It's such a joy. I'm reading currently a book of short stories by Lisa Tadeo. Lisa Tadeo is the author of the acclaimed masterpiece of a book, Three Women, which like it's, it's in my top 10. It's an undertaking because it's dense, but I highly recommend. And if you're somebody who considers themselves feminist or wants to even know more about feminism, it's just amazing. She's a fucking phenomenal short story writer. So good. So, so good. Like, it's truly insane. I'm loving. I'm loving her short stories. I also started The Vanishing Half. Everyone's DMing me. It's such a good book. I know it's going to be such a portrait. It's going to go on the list afterward. But those are my two current reads, and I'm loving both of them. I'm also, of course, loving Keeping Up with the Kardashians. As always, like, you guys know me. Like, I'm never going to shy away from that shit. Like, that's my shit. That's my fucking bitch. Like, Kim Kardashian is my, like, surrogate mom, and I love her. I literally love her so much, and I love this season of the Kardashians as well. Like, Kim is just, she's, like, the main character. She really is. So obviously we have some very exciting book updates that I'm just like fucking dying to give you guys. Um, first of all, I finished my audiobook and it was such an experience. Now, I went there from 10 to 4 for the past three days and just recorded the whole thing. I read the whole book out loud. I feel like I'm getting kind of detached from it because like I've read it so many times. And honestly, it's like it's kind of surreal to me. It's very much so like an imposter syndrome pinch me kind of a moment but I'm trying to soak it all in. It was really fun. And I don't know if you guys are audiobook listeners per se, but I've never really been big into them because I'm very visual with how I learn. But it was really, it was really fun. It like made me want to listen to more audiobooks. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the first round of tour dates has been announced. By the time you listen to this, tickets will be on sale. I'll be in Philly, Boston, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Nashville, Chicago, St. Louis, Dallas, Austin, and Houston. And those are only the first round of dates. There will be West Coast dates. There will hopefully be a Michigan date and a New Jersey date. And as always, remember, the New York City date is on 12-12. So it's the 12th of December. And I'm so, so excited. Tickets will be on sale tomorrow. Tickets do not include a book. A lot of people are asking about that since I know a lot of you already pre-ordered, but you can add one on as a little extra if you haven't pre-ordered yet. And everybody will be, have access to the meet and greet, whether you buy the VIP tickets or not. It's just different seating. The VIP seats are just better seats. And that's the breakdown from the venue. I did everything in my power to make these tickets as accessible and inexpensive as possible. I know you guys have heard people say this before, like the venues do the pricing. That's like mostly true. They set the standard pricing and you can opt into making less in order to make the seats less expensive. And I've already done all of that. I want you guys to know I worked very hard to make this as, as accessible as possible. I, you know, since I am traveling, like I wish I could just do free events all the time and that would be like my utmost goal, but I do need to make money in order to pay for the travel 
to come and see you guys. And so I tried to make the tickets as accessible as possible. I'm also doing a free event in New Jersey, and I've posted about that at the River Road Books in Fairhaven on, I believe, December 16th. So you can find information about that on their website. But I'm very excited for the book tour. It's going to be amazing. Guests will be announced soon. New York City has two guests that I'm going to announce and a very, very special guest who I like am pinching myself that is amazing. Like I really didn't know I needed this. And so I will announce that guest the night of, and it will be a surprise, but the other guests will be announced. And I'm so excited to meet you guys and have this amazing time with you on tour. And I just can't wait. So I had to let you know that's going to be on sale and it's really exciting and I'm so excited. So please come see me and come hang out and it's going to be amazing. And if you're going alone, I'll make group me's so that everybody can chat and find people to go with and it's going to be beautiful and I cannot wait. And thank you guys so much for the support there. One other major thing to discuss before I start answering some of y'all's questions today. I saw Chapel Roan in concert last night. Now I bet you guys know who Chapel Roan is because you just seem like the type like, you guys just seem like my girls, so I know you know who Chapel Roan is, but if you don't, she is basically baby Lady Gaga, and Lady Gaga to me is baby Madonna. I really think that artists like Madonna and Lady Gaga, they weren't initially accepted in the mainstream because people did not understand their aesthetic, and they didn't understand their music, honestly. And then women, and more specifically, the queer community, really embraced Lady Gaga and Madonna as something that they loved, as something that they saw themselves in. And from there, they became incredibly mainstream because people were like all of a sudden like, whoa, this is really, really good. This is like something interesting, something new. And I think Chapel Roan is on the same exact journey. Like I think she's going to blow up. I really do. Like I think she's about to have the Lady Gaga treatment. And honestly, and honestly, I really want them to meet and collab. And last night I saw Chapel Roan in concert and she's fucking fabulous. And if you don't listen to her and you don't know the vibes, you're missing out and you need to. And I highly recommend, especially just because it's so feel good and there's nothing about it that isn't just like incredibly, incredibly feel good. And that's what we need right now. We need a little feel good vibes. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. Do you guys ever feel like you would love a wholesome homemade meal, but there's just not enough time? I know I do. And with HelloFresh, all you need is 15 minutes and you'll be enjoying a tasty, satisfying meal made in your own kitchen. And that always just feels so good to feed ourselves and feel full. You can look for their quick and easy dinner options, plus quick breakfasts and lunches too, which is amazing. And honestly, I feel so encouraged when I make myself a meal. So I've been loving HelloFresh. When life gets busy, don't call for delivery, get HelloFresh. It's 25% cheaper than takeout and less expensive than grocery shopping too. Just choose your recipes and receive fresh pre-portioned ingredients so you can get cooking quick, which is so awesome. Also, Green Chef and Every Plate is now owned by HelloFresh as well, and they have a very, very much so wider array of meal plans than they did before to choose from. There's literally something for actually everyone. I like switching between the brands, and now my listeners can enjoy both brands at a discount with me. HelloFresh does all the shopping and meal planning for you. Ingredients will arrive at your doorstep, pre-portioned and ready to cook. It's literally foolproof. You guys know I'm terrible at cooking. They have step-by-step -step recipe cards. Literally, how easy is that? Like you guys know, I love feeding myself. I love making myself feel full, but it's hard. Sometimes you need a little helper, okay? And that's HelloFresh. So you guys are gonna go to hellofresh.com slash 50miss and use code 50miss, that's 50-M-I-S-S, for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, hellofresh.com slash 50miss and use code 50miss for 50% off plus free shipping. That's just like so nice. 
Like, look at us. 50% off. Walk, don't run. Enjoy your HelloFresh. I love you. So without further ado, I'm going to answer some of the questions that you guys have put in my Ask Me Anythings today, and we're going to get right into it. Okay. I really like this first one, which is advice for single girls who are too scared to put themselves out there. When I think about putting oneself out there, right? Like, what are we afraid of? We need to ask ourselves all these questions. What are we afraid of? Well, we're afraid that if we put ourselves out there, even if it's for a job, for a friendship, for anything, we're afraid that it's not going to go our way, that we're going to get rejected, that we're going to end up not getting it, and that that would be embarrassing, right? Like, that's our thought process. But that's just a story that you're telling yourself. You're telling yourself, if I put myself out there and I get rejected, it's going to be embarrassing and a bruise to the ego. What if you said, if I put myself out there, it's a win-win, Because either I'm going to get what I want, and the only way to ever get what I want is putting myself out there, or I'm going to learn something about myself, learn something about a situation, have a new experience, and I'm going to realize that that thing isn't for me, that it didn't work out, and that was the universe telling me, hey, let's redirect because this isn't the right path. So if we look at this with dating, and we are single and we're out at a bar, and there's a cute person, cute girl, cute guy, cute they, them, cute person, and we are going to approach that person, but we're so nervous about putting ourselves out there. Think about it like this. You're either going to go up to that cute person and be like, hey, you're really cute. My name's Eli. And they're going to be like, my name's Charlie or whatever the name is, Sarah, Morgan, whatever it is, Ben. And then you're going to strike a conversation and it's going to be great and you're going to plan a date. The other thing that's going to happen is the other person's going to be like, hey, nice to meet you and like make pleasantries and then walk away and you're never going to see them again. And that's the universe saying, hey, babe, that wasn't the one. Great job putting yourself out there. We love the practice. We love the vibes. Somebody else is around the corner. I really don't want you to miss that person. And if I let it work out with Ben Charlie over there, it, it wasn't you were going to miss like the actual person coming your way. So just like be still and wait and be patient. If you reframe your mindset for that thought process and not like, oh my God, if I go up to them, like they're going to hate me and then I'm going to be a failure and a loser and I'm disgusting and like nobody ever likes me. Like, okay, that's just a sad attitude. And you're the one in control of your attitude. You're the one in control of your mood. You are writing the story that you're telling yourself about putting yourself out there. And let me make it so clear. I know it's fucking scary. It's fucking scary. But just remember floating rock, nothing really matters. Go for the gold and rewrite your own story in your head. End of story. Okay, this one says, I'm 23, I haven't moved out, and I stayed home for college. I still feel like a kid. Please say it's not too late for me. Okay, I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but I went to Candace Bushnell's live show. She wrote Sex in the City, like the book and like the whole thing. And she's 64, she's divorced, and she's still going out having sex and living her best life. She's 64, she's 40 years older than you. I cannot stress this enough. 23 is the starting line of your life. Like, you were just pre-gaming for life up until this point. Like you're a baby, like you're just beginning. Like, let's think about it like that. The first 23, 24 years, like they're just a pre-game for the real shit. Like, okay, if you stayed at home, I'm not even kidding, who cares? You saved money, you spent time with your family, you took care of yourself and your mental health. All of those things are wins in my book. 
you can make the choice that you're ready to move out and start putting those plans in place, but it's not too late for you. It's actually never too late. And I hate how people say that, especially honestly, I think it can be annoying when people who I perceive to be successful say that when they're in their mid twenties around my age range. But I'm not kidding. Like if you even look at the statistics of people, like when they found success, when they started their businesses, when they wrote their first like best-selling book, it was all later in life. Honestly, 30 is the new 20, 40 is the new 30. You're thriving. It's never too late. And honestly, you have to reframe, again, reframe and rewrite this script that you're telling yourself that it's like, I'm still a kid and it's too late for me. It's not too late for you. You stayed home to save money, spend time with loved ones and take care of yourself. You did the right thing for you and you're at the starting line of your life and it is 1000 bajillion percent not too late and you're going to be okay. Okay. Feeling super heartbroken. How do I not be bitter and jealous of friends and relationships? I think jealousy is interesting because it's an emotion that we villainize a lot And yes, it's not a good emotion, but everyone's like, it's such a bad emotion that when you feel jealous, you're also feeling guilty for feeling jealous. Let's throw out the guilt. Jealousy is just an emotion. There are tons of emotions that we experience and feel, and we can't necessarily help feeling these things. When I feel jealous, instead of being like, ugh, why them and not me? I deserve that thing. Why do they have it and I don't? Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. Instead of doing that, I reframe my mindset to be like, why not us both? What do they have that I want? Okay, they're in a relationship. Maybe I'm not gonna be in a relationship right now because it's just not the time for me, but I'm really gonna focus on healing myself because I'm recognizing that I'm jealous of my friends in relationships and that means that I would love to heal myself and start dating again because eventually I would like to fall in love again too. That's great. And you know what? That's not gonna be an overnight change. I really think though, something that we do is we bury away our jealousy and we like stomp it down and like try to ignore it because we're like embarrassing emotion alert, like shouldn't be feeling jealous. And in reality, you have to like journal out about your jealousy, get it all out because otherwise you'll harbor resentment toward your friends. I hope this doesn't come off like me being like unfriend your friends who aren't single, but I think it can help you to surround yourself by friends who are going through something similar to you in addition to your friends and relationships. Sometimes like it's helpful when you're single to be around other single people or like when you're going through a breakup to be around other people in a breakup and you can still have friends in other walks of life. But when you're feeling like a little outnumbered, realistically, you're not. It's just in your circle that you are focusing on and expending a lot of energy on. It might feel like you're the only single one or everybody else is in a relationship and you're single. But remember, we are all on our own path and timeline. It can be really helpful to surround yourself in addition to your friends and relationships by other people who are going through something similar. And I promise you when I say the grass is always greener and Focusing on yourself and your own healing is going to be what really gets you to the point where you don't feel jealous anymore because you have an actionable item toward the things that you want in your life. And also, I'm just here for you. Feeling heartbroken is such a hollow, sad, lonely thing. And I love you. And I'm really sorry that you're going through that. All right. This person said they ended a situation ship, but they're still in the same friend group and will see the guy often. How to set boundaries. Okay. For me personally, when you have a situationship or even like a romantic relationship with someone in your friend group, it's always going to be a little awkward when you first end things and then you guys are still in the same friend group. I would say that you just have to communicate exactly what's the most comfortable for you to this person directly and then sort of relay that in a softer way to the rest of your friends and let him do the same with the people he's close with in the group. So what I mean by that is being like, hey, like, listen, let's just try to make it 
super not awkward. Let's not, you know, rub new romantic prospects in each other's faces and let's try to just be civil in group settings and just let the tension ease a little bit. Like say that to him or say whatever you want to him or them or her. Um, And then I would go to your friends and be like, by the way, we ended this thing. It's going to be a little awkward. It would be really helpful if everybody acted like it wasn't awkward because if everyone's going to act like it's awkward or make comments or just be weird about it, it's going to be more awkward for us. So let's all get on the same page and just like be comfortable with the uncomfortable here. It is going to be a little awkward. Like we need to be honest about that, but it doesn't have to be like so cripplingly terrible and like ruin your spot or their spot in the friend group. I would really recommend not only communicating to the person that you are in the situation with, what your boundaries are and what their boundaries are, I would communicate it to the rest of the group. You don't have to be like, here are our boundaries, but more so like, hey, we don't want it to be awkward. We're asking everybody to be as not awkward about this as possible and just be chill about it. And then I think you're just in a better environment where everybody's aware of the fact that you guys are trying to kind of gloss something over and get out of the situation you were in. And it's only going to work with you both in the group if everybody else is also just not being awkward about it. And I think that they're actually going to be the key players in this, not the two of you, but the rest of the group, because having been in groups and then like hooking up with people in the group, it's always worse when everybody else is making it weird. You guys know I'm a sweaty girl and I ride for my sweaty girl. So today we're talking about one of my favorite partners, Lou Me. That is Lou Me. Guys, this is going to be the best deodorant. Like this deodorant was created by an OBGYN who discovered odor isn't just an underarm thing. It's an all over thing. So she developed Lumi, a pH optimized deodorant that's clinically proven to control odor everywhere for up to 72 hours. Fall is now just so fresh. I'm always sweating in the fucking sweaters. Sweater rather, like it makes me so sweaty. I'm not kidding. And since I started using Lumi, I just, I felt so much fresher, honestly. Like I do get embarrassed when I feel like I'm like rushing to a meeting taking the subway, running around. And I'm just like sweating and especially my underarms. And it's really saved my life. And I love, I love when a woman creates something for other women to like help us out. It is a whole body deodorant. The first of its kind. Lumi is seriously safe to use anywhere on your body. Pits, under boobs, thighs, belly buttons, booties, vulvas, vulvas, and feet and feet. So for my runners, it can be really, really great. And we absolutely love that. It is aluminum-free, baking soda-free, and paraben-free. It is pH-balanced for safe use below the belt. Like, come on. Lumi Starter Pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, and two free products of your choice. There are mini body washes, deodorant wipes, and free shipping. If you guys go to lumipodcast.com, that's L-U-M-E podcast.com, and you use the code MISS, you're going to get $5 off the starter pack, which is absolutely wonderful. And we love that. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com or lumipodcast.com and use code M-I-S-S, MISS. Love ya. All right, this one. I think my boyfriend is going to say, I love you first, and I don't know if I'll be ready. I don't want to say it just to say it back. I think we need to normalize the fact that a lot of people, it's kind of, I think it's kind of rare for both people to fully feel it at the same moment in the same time. Somebody's always going to have to say it first and not returning the I love you doesn't mean that you aren't excited for the potential to love that person. So I think when someone says I love you and you're not ready to say it back, I wouldn't be like, thank you. Or like, thanks for sharing. I always feel like that's so awkward. I would say that's really an amazing thing to hear. I absolutely love spending time with you and getting to know you. This relationship is so special. And I'm really, really excited for 
everything in the future, I'm a little bit slower to come to with my emotions and it takes me a little bit longer to really sort through my feelings and feel comfortable putting words to them. But I want to let you know that just because I'm not in a place where I feel super ready to share that with you, I'm really excited to get to that place and I feel us heading in that direction. Affirm, affirm, affirm. You don't need to be like, thanks for sharing. I feel like that's always a little awkward. Affirm the person that you are so excited to get to that place, but you're a little bit slower with emotions and you hope that you don't take that they don't take that the wrong way. You can also say, the first time I say that to you, I really want to say it to you the way you said it to me, authentically, when I feel it, I don't want to say it as a response for the first time. And I hope you understand. And he's going to understand. And if he doesn't understand, honestly, he needs help. But like, he's going to understand. And I think it's really, really normal. Like, normalize not saying it for the first time at the same time. I really like, it rarely, I don't remember. I'm trying to think back. Like, I said it first to my current boyfriend, but I'm trying to think back to when my ex and I first said it and I really can't, which is crazy. That means it's been a long time. But anyways, that is, that is that on that. How to rekindle friendships when you know you have been absent. Okay. The fact that you're like, I know I've been absent is huge. And a lot of times when you guys ask me questions, I implore you, like if I don't get around to responding to you, to look at the question you asked me and then take exactly what you said and tell the person. So what I mean by that is, you know you've been absent. You're telling me you've been absent. Go to your friends and say, hey, how are you? I miss you. I know I've been absent. I've been going through it. I've been busy with work. I don't want to make excuses. I haven't been showing up as a friend in the way that I know I'm capable of. I hope that you can accept my apology for being distant and I would love to get brunch with you on Sunday and see you. Let me know if that works. Be honest. People love honesty and we're so scared to give it to them because we're so scared of what their reaction could be. You're only putting yourself in a good position when you say what I just told you to say to your friend. They're either going to be like, I don't want to be your friend anymore, which would shock me, but then they're not worth it. Or they're going to be like, don't worry about it. We all go through it. And that's a good friend and you're going to be fine. After how many dates should you stop seeing other people? I think that this is really relative. It really depends on the situation, right? I would say until you have a conversation where you're like, we are exclusively seeing each other and we are exclusively dating, I wouldn't like cut off your roster. I'm not the kind of person that can be doing a bunch of different things at once necessarily. So when I would go on like a first date with someone that I was excited about, I would still have my roster. I would still be swiping on the apps and like chatting with people but I wouldn't be making active plans because I wouldn't want to be like seeing multiple people at the same time in a very serious, dedicated way. I would maybe be like, oh, there's this guy I'm hooking up with kind of, and then I'm like going to go on this first date. That's different. I'm more so saying like I wasn't making multiple dates at once. That was sort of just always my rule of thumb. I think a lot of people do follow that as well. I would say like after six or seven dates, you can really start to decide like what the fuck you're doing. I really think after three dates, you can start categorizing where something is going. But after six or seven, you can really decide like, okay, we're exclusive and want to stop seeing other people. That would be my general rule of thumb. But remember, it's always different. Like sometimes it'll happen way earlier and sometimes it'll happen later. You just have to be really upfront with your communication. And honestly, I would just share with the person that you're not seeing other people and see where that, like see what they say and see where that takes you. Because if you, if you don't want to see other people, then there's no reason that you should be. You should share with the person you're seeing that you don't want to see other people and see how they take it. Because if they are, are seeing other people or they don't just want to see you or they don't want to be exclusive, you want to get out before it's too late.
Okay, going on a first date tonight. I'm nervous. Any advice? This is my advice. A first date is one of two things. A great story to tell your friends or a second date. That's it. That's it. Okay? It's always scary when you know you're going to be perceived by someone, but remember, you're also perceiving someone else. So the nerves that this other person is bringing to you, you're also bringing to them. It's just nerve-wracking in general, but let's make this as simple as possible. Imagine you and I met out at a party and we were strangers, and we kind of like hit it off chatting and kind of like thought we could be good friends, so we exchanged phone numbers. And then the next day I texted you like, hey, let's get brunch. Like, I kind of want to like strike a friendship with you or whatever. Like, I was thinking like, I want to be friends with this person. Let's get brunch. We would go to brunch and it would not be like, okay, we're at brunch. Now we have to decide if we're each other's maid of honor. It would be like, we're at brunch and we're going to decide if like we could be good friends and if we want to like keep hanging out as friends. You have to think about dating in the same way. Like there's no conceivable way that you're going to go on a first date and then be like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person. I mean, you can hope for that. You can have a gut instinct. Absolutely. You guys know I believe in those, but I just think you have to think of it on the same plane as you and a friend hanging out for the first time. There's no way to know much about them other than like baseline details. And you're just getting to know someone. You're just trying them on. The stakes are so low and it's supposed to be fun. So have a little pre-date ritual, drink your wine, put on your cutest outfit, get ready with your friends, however you need to do it and just have fun. You're going to be okay. And it's going to be okay. And either way, it's going to be okay. Either you're not going to, the only thing that can happen is that you're going to stay put and where you are right now is not bad, or you're going to start seeing someone and progress with them. Those are the only two options. You can't go backwards. So you're in great, you're in a great spot and you're going to be great. Okay. Here are two fun ones just cause. Fuck, Mary kill, Broadway, Taylor Swift, pop. Okay. Ugh. Mm. Okay, this is my problem. Guys, that was a mean question. Huh? I feel like I can't live without pop music because I wouldn't... I know I'm marrying Broadway, but I wouldn't just want to have Broadway and Taylor Swift for my whole life. But, like, it makes me sick to my stomach to like say kill Taylor Swift because, like, I could never. I could never. Maybe I would have a long affair with pop and fuck Taylor Swift because like I actually couldn't kill her. But at the end of the day, I love Taylor Swift. You guys know me, but I also am fucking obsessed with Lady Gaga and Beyonce. And it's like another level to where like I couldn't give that up. You know, I think I'm thinking too far into this, but I know I'm definitely marrying Broadway. Okay. This next one, working out after taking an edible yay or nay for me, nay. One time I took an edible and then I signed up for a Pilates class and I went to the Pilates class and I'm not even kidding you guys. Like I wasn't okay. I wasn't okay. I was on the ground, like on the floor, like not okay. Like literally like dying, dying. So yeah, I'm not doing it again. hundred percent not. How to deal with the guilt of breaking up with someone because you were unhappy. Guilt is reserved for when we do something wrong and that wrong thing has some sort of consequence wherein we hurt somebody else with intention, like intent to harm or we just hurt somebody else on mistake. And I really think while breakups can look like hurting someone, you have to reframe it as freeing someone. You knew that this was not going to be end game. Why would it be fair to stick around with someone who it wasn't end game with? You had to free them. And honestly, The reason that you freed them is going to make itself known to them when they meet the right person for them and when you meet the right person for you. You really need to reframe this as you freed this person and they freed you. 
Okay. Like that's it. That's it. By, by them letting you go when you were like, I'm out and not begging and not like being like, no, and not like hitting your line a million times, you're freeing each other. And that there's no guilt to be associated with that. That's brave. You did the right thing. And again, it's about rewriting your own story, right? Of course, it sucks to hurt someone. It's almost worse to break up with someone than to get broken up with. Because when you break up with someone, you don't have anyone to hate. And you sort of put that hate on yourself. And I'm not saying that your ex hates you. But you know when you get broken up with, you're like, fuck that. And you have like an angry streak. That doesn't really happen when you're the one who breaks up with someone else. And you feel like you're not allowed to be sad. You're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to mourn. And just remember, you freed each other. And that is a very brave thing to do. And I'm proud of you. We have got a new sponsor in the house and it is, this is a company that I've been using since I was a teenager. Let's talk about Today Ticks, my Broadway babies. Whether or not you live in New York, if you're ever coming by, if you want to go see a show, you need to use Today Ticks to get the most affordable deals on theater tickets. It is effortless. What began as a revolutionary way to see Broadway shows through discounts, promotions, and digital lotteries now makes theater more accessible in markets across the world. Today Take has the tickets for you. They have great deals on theater tickets with savings up to 40% off, 40% off on Broadway tickets. They have an app, or you can go to Today Ticks tix.com. It's so easy to use, like right on your phone. You can do it day of. It's absolutely amazing. When I was in high school, my parents let me come into the city like once a month on the train with my friends and we would see theater. But we were in high school. We had money from like babysitting. We would use Today Ticks. We would use Today Ticks to get our tickets. And I'm not kidding, like all through college when I was balling on more of a budget than I am now to get theater tickets, I was using Today Ticks. A lot of people see theater as so inaccessible. And in many ways it is. Today Ticks is working to make it almost as success as accessible as going out to see a movie. Seriously. Once you buy all those movie snacks, it's going to be like 50, 60 bucks. And Today Ticks is selling theater tickets for $50 for $40. It's the same as going out to dinner. Seriously, you guys need to take full advantage of this. You can go to todayticks, today, T-I-X.com slash miss and use promo code miss, M-I-S-S to get $20 off your first purchase. You can get a theater ticket for 20 bucks, 30 bucks with that code. That is, that's literally so nice. And it's such an easy to use app. It's so flexible. So go see that show you've always wanted to see. Go support the arts. Go discover something new. Come on, let's do it. I am imploring all of you to go to todaytix.com slash miss and use promo code M-I-S-S to get $20 off your first Today Ticks purchase. Jazz hands, high kick, happy Broadway. I love you. And there's also off Broadway. There's other options around the world, different cities. It's amazing. This is one of my favorite companies ever. Like I'm very excited, as you can tell. I love you Today Ticks and I love all of you. Happy theater seeing. Happy theater watching. Bye. Boyfriend is great, but I think I'm out of the honeymoon stage and not feeling it as much. Okay. When the honeymoon stage ends, like imagine you're stuck in a bubble and then I burst the bubble and I put you in Times Square and all of a sudden you have to deal with like all that noise and like all of that like stimulation. That's kind of like what like exiting the honeymoon stage is really like. It's like you were in a little bubble and you guys were in bliss. And then I burst the bubble and put you in Times Square with all the noise and all the stimulation. And you have to decide if you're going to be able to withstand all of that together or not. I think while things do change after the honeymoon stage, if you work at it, you will find other honeymoon stages throughout your relationship. And I think you need to just maybe give yourself a few weeks, be like, 
in the next two weeks, I'm going to be really intentional about this. Every second I spend with this person, I'm going to ask myself how I feel. I'm going to navigate the things that are bothering me. I'm going to journal about it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to talk about it in therapy. I'm going to really intentionally date this person and see if it feels right. And if you're still having that gnawing gut feeling that it's not right, then I think you need to free that person. I do. Because I do think that gut instincts are really our superheroes and they really save us. And in a situation like this, it could very, very well be just you guys have exited the honeymoon stage and you're working things out and you're going to see how it goes and you're going to be feeling better in two weeks. Or it could be a sign like the universe and your body telling you, hey, this isn't right and this was fun while it lasted, but I want to get out before either of us get in too deep. So just be really intentional over your next few weeks. Take, take your time to really decide how you're feeling and then proceed from there and make sure you give yourself like a cap. Like in for these next two weeks, I'm going to be really intentional about this relationship and see how it feels because otherwise you're just going to keep letting it go and keep making excuses and then you're going to get in too deep and it's going to be harder to leave. So be intentional, talk it out with your people, write it all down, do your therapy if that's your thing. And I think it's going to work itself out. And I think the answer is going to make itself known when you really focus on deriving that answer. How to be nicer to myself. I'm not doing as well as I want in med school and it's all very hard. Okay. Being kind to yourself and liking yourself is really an intentional thing. And that's so shitty because like our brains are working all day. You're in med school. Your brain is working all day. But I really think that the first thing I'm going to recommend is that when you wake up tomorrow, I want you to be like, I am my own best friend and I'm treating myself how I treat my best friend. So instead of looking in the mirror like, fuck this, I'm so ugly, I hate myself, you would never say that to your best friend. So you're going to stop yourself right there and you're going to say what you would say to your best friend if she said that to you. And really our conscious thoughts become our subconscious actions. Eventually you'll be programmed to do a column response with yourself like this when you start being mean to yourself, but it all starts with intentionality. The second thing I want to do is just like really affirm you Academic validation is something, it's such a slippery, sticky slope. And at the end of the day, a number on a test and a grade really has nothing to do with you and your character. Now, I know the stakes are high because you're in med school, but let, let us not forget that that's like really fucking difficult. Med school is very, 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 very hard. And what you're doing by going to med school is selfless. It's selfless to me. Becoming a doctor, a nurse, whatever you're doing in med school, researching scientists, like whatever it is, medical field wise, that's selfless. You're doing an amazing job and you deserve to be nice to yourself. Whether that's buying yourself little treats every day, working on those affirmations, journaling it out, reading things that make you feel good, treat yourself like your own best friend. And I really want you to stop yourself in the middle of those sentences whenever you're being critical, overly critical or negative to yourself and just say, hey, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. Stop. He says he really likes me and he wants to be with me. Then he cancels on me to hang out with the boys instead. What would Eli do? It depends, right? I always want my partners to have their friends because I think it's so healthy for my relationship with my partner and for them in their own mental health. So if this guy that I was seeing canceled on me one time to see his friends and he was like, hey... I don't want to cancel on you. I feel shitty doing this. I haven't seen my friends in weeks. Would you mind if we did Sunday brunch instead of Saturday lunch? Because the only time my whole group can get together is Saturday and we haven't seen each other in weeks, but I want to make it up to you. Then I would be like, totally fine. Go for it. If it was like, hey, can't do today anymore. Going to see the boys. And he's like always seeing the boys. And like the boys are like a very common fixture in his life. That would be questionable to me. 
I would really need to know the circumstances of this situation. If this is like the one and only time this has happened, he's been super communicative about why. And it's not just like, we're all going to sit around and watch TV. It's like, oh, we're all going to do this thing. We're all going golfing. We're all going to the bar to watch this sporting event. We're all going to do this. It would be different for me because I don't want my partner to miss out on those like friend experiences. So I think it depends. Like, is this a one-off? How did he communicate it to you? Because actions, unfortunately, speak louder than words, even though I'd like to believe it wasn't the case. And his actions here are not telling me I really want to be with you if he's going to consistently cancel on you or if he's going to cancel on you to hang out and do nothing with people he sees all the time. Ask yourself those questions and then get back to us because I'm kind of curious. Okay, this one is how to not use working out as a punishment. So my thing about working out is that I used to view it as like, oh, I earn my food from like my workouts. Like when I work out, I can eat more. That's a very unhealthy way to look at things. But now I realize that in order to survive, I need food, water, and like shelter, right? I don't deny myself shelter and water and warmth, but I I would deny myself in the past food so often, but that's something that we actually need to survive and live. We don't need exercise to survive and live. It's certainly very good for you, but it's not like one of the things that you actively need to survive. And so I kind of switched my mindset to be, I earn my workouts when I eat. I cannot go work out unless my body is fueled. First of all, I feel like shit when I do that. Second of all, I have such a lengthy past of doing that and it just, it never felt good. It was so toxic. Exercise is supposed to make you feel good mentally and physically. It's not supposed to be this like terrible punishment. And I think taking a little space from whatever kind of exercise you're using as a punishment currently might be helpful and switch to something else and really don't let yourself work out unless you're earning it through fueling your body. It's never going to be a punishment. It's never. And if you need to take space from it, I really think that can be healthy to sort of reframe that mindset. But remember, you earn your workouts. Every single time you're earning that workout, you do not earn eating. Working out is not a punishment. It is a privilege that we have these bodies that we can move. And I really think that a simple mindset switch can really start to help. And of course, therapy has really, really helped me as well. How do I stop caring less about what everyone thinks about me? This is such a real thing. And here's the honest truth. If you are being yourself, like 100% yourself, you're being kind to yourself and others, you're doing your best, you're working hard, and someone doesn't like you, they literally don't matter. You've done everything that you could to put yourself in a position where people are going to like you. That's That's a personality conflict and it's not your problem. So what I mean by that is if you're doing those things, you don't need to care about what people think about you because the people that are meant to be in your life are going to be there because they love you for who you are, for your good heart and soul and mind and spirit. And so at the end of the day, if you're doing all those things and people don't like you or they're thinking about you negatively, that's their fucking issue and you probably won't even know about it because you're only going to be like surrounding yourself by joy and community that speaks to you and resonates with you. Also, let's just say that you're doing those things. You're doing your best. You're being kind to yourself and others. You are being 100% yourself. And someone 
is thinking about you negatively or doesn't fuck with you or doesn't like you, like, okay, so that's literally their loss. Why are they wasting their brain space thinking about you? Number one, I promise you, nobody is thinking about us as much as we think they are. Like everyone's thinking about themselves an equal amount that you're thinking about yourself. So that's always comforting. Like nobody really gives a fuck about us. That always frees me. But number two, your people are never going to punish you for choosing to be you, for choosing your own happiness, for choosing your own path and journey. They're always going to stick around. I think about it like a train, right? Like when I decided to stop caring what people thought about me, I got on a train with everybody that fucking likes me. And along the way, we just like fucking picked up more people who fuck with me. And we left the people behind that I was so concerned about winning over or I was so concerned they didn't like me or I was so concerned about what they thought about me. And I wasn't even concerned about what they thought about me. I was concerned of what their perception of me could be. I didn't even know. I was wasting, like, we only have a couple thousand Fridays on this earth if we are so lucky. I was wasting full Fridays caring what other people thought about me when I could be, like, having fun, living my life, reading a book, watching a movie, going out, having wine, focusing on me, whatever it is that you want to do. It's such a waste of time to care what other people think about us. And it's so hard to let it go. It took me through college. Like my sophomore year of college is when I stopped caring what people thought about me, but I didn't really fully let go until I was like 22. And I think it's just, it's something that you just have to fully let go of. And I promise you, when you let go of the fear of what other people might be thinking about you, you'll realize that you have better relationships and actually more people, it feels like more people do fuck with you because you're being 100% yourself and you're not being somebody who's trying to fit a mold of what somebody else wants. And you're not being concerned with what other people think about you, which is such an admirable, sexy, confident thing. And again, really to do it, I think you need to remember that this is a train and we're leaving the people behind that don't fuck with you because you haven't done anything wrong. And there are people that you don't fuck with and you're not getting on their train because we can get on different trains throughout our lives. And you're just throttling straight ahead toward your goals, your dreams, your aspirations. Now that you're not using a space in your brain to think about what other people think of you, you're using that to like go out and get what you want, whether that's love, a career, success, wealth. I don't even know what that is for you, but you're going toward that. Sorry to be so like, I feel like I'm like giving a TED talk, but it really is so important to me that you guys know that we all think about ourselves one million times more than anybody thinks about us. And that when we're doing our best, being kind to ourselves and others and being 100% ourselves, If someone doesn't like us, that's not our problem. Like, honestly. And stop, like, get my name out of your mouth, honestly. You know what I mean? Last one. Which 1989 vault track am I most excited for? The answer is Slut. And it's always going to be that. Like, I don't even care if the song isn't good. It's, that's a song. She, that's my song. Like, I am so fucking excited for that. I'm so excited for 1989. I am going to a wedding next weekend. And it's like, I hope there's a DJ and I can be like, hey, play Slut by Taylor Swift. Like, I don't care if it's slow. I don't care if it's fast. It's a black tie wedding. My dress is amazing. My rehearsal dinner dress is fucking phenomenal. This is my first wedding that I'm attending in so long as a woman raised on four weddings. It's a dream come true. This is like my first wedding attended in my adult life in the last like like 15 years. I haven't been to a wedding. I'm very excited. And with that, I think we'll wrap up for the week. I am still trying to figure out what we're going to do next week, but I think it's going to be more of like a deep dive, a topic episode, not just a quick catch up. But again, I love you guys so much. I'm thinking of you always. I hope you have a wonderful, amazing, fantastic, beautiful, stunning weekend. And I hope you get tickets for my book tour because I can't wait to see you. Okay, that's all from me. Signing off. I love you. Bye.